Greetings, ladies and metalgents, and welcome to this latest rendition of Tales from Outer Space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. Now, on to the science fiction. Breyer's Gift, written by Lostpool. John felt the shocking intensity of the cold water covering him as it sucked the warmth from his body. He could feel his core temperature plunging, but he had to say, If I leave now, the remains of the warg pack tracking me will pick up my scent again, he thought. You really stirred up a bastard this time, Johnny, he thought to himself as he had already accepted that he wouldn't survive this. But dropping the burning bags of ethanol mixed with the toxic river plants into the nest while they slept had been worth it. Seeing them scrabble as the poison or flame got to them had been vindicating. He had managed to trap most of them in the cave with a rock drop, but three had managed to escape. One had died on his now broken spear, but had left his back flayed open as the other two hunted him. He knew how this would end, but he would not go quietly. He felt another involuntary shudder. He would have left to leave the water soon, or hypothermia would set in, though it brought a welcome numbness to the gouges down his back. One of the walk had caught him with a glancing blow. Guess our options now are freeze to death or be eaten. I hope I give them indigestion, he bitterly thought. These hybrid dog-bear creatures had stalked him and the other survivors since they first awoke in this hellish planet. He had already seen several people eaten by them. His focus had been on survival. That is, until they got... Damn it, Johnny! Get your head clear! He softly muttered while shaking his head, breaking his reverie. The blood flowing from his back mixed with the water, he noted looking like a pinkish hue. He instinctively knew other predators would soon be closing in. He knew that he had no chance. Slowly, he slipped down the muddy bank, tossing a reed that he had used to breathe. As he slipped into the undergrowth, he had seen the remains of the pack pass by, but he could not tell how long... This cursed planet of dual suns made it almost impossible to judge time accurately. Moving through the brush as quietly as he could, his eyes desperately searched for anything that he could use as a club or spear. What he wouldn't have given for a rifle, some dumb part of his brain mused. Everything felt different, yet familiar as he slunk towards a home that he had built with Morgan over the last few months. Even as he saw the traps that they had set, he felt his heart sink. He was alone again, with only his own thoughts to echo through his mind until the cold void claimed him again. Moving towards his shelter, he could feel the flesh on his back separate again from the strain of moving. He knew his injury was bad, as was the smell of blood in the putrid forest. Soon all the scavengers would come. While he was confident in the traps he and Morgan had expertly crafted around their abode, he knew that he would die soon. 
a megalithic era world was an unforgiving place. He took satisfaction in the damage he had caused the pack. He had spent months on that trap since he lost Morgan, the vision of the pieces of her that he had found near the watering hole, driving his lust for vengeance. He had lost weight during that time, but he had killed at least ten. Even these creatures were prey to other, even more dangerous predators of this planet. Those not instantly immolated or poisoned had succumbed to a lack of breathable air within the cave. Only two of the original twenty were left to hunt him. Unfortunately, he had lost half of his old spear in the gut of the third. He settled himself in his pulse, back in the tree whose roots we hid under. He reached back and felt the bone. He looked down at the many scars he bore from the last few months, all cauterized to prevent infection. With a sigh, he knew what came next. He reached over to where he and Morgan had buried their stuff. He was still numb from the icy embrace of the water and shaking uncontrollably. He chuckled to himself, though, that he was also sweating, infection already setting in. He reached over for the gem in his stash. It had taken him months to craft it. Morgan had thought him crazed. In the distance, he could hear the rustle of the hunters moving through the underbrush. He couldn't help but give a grim smile, as he suddenly heard a smack and howl of pain as one of the creatures triggered a trap. Not much longer now, John thought to himself as he crushed the reed that held the water. He had originally intended this to be part of one of his traps, up until he found Morgan. He had found enough sulfur and saltpeter to mix with the charcoal from their fires to make a special package. His gunpowder wasn't powerful as the more modern compositions, but it would do the job. He had set it into a small gourd, then packed chips of flint and sharp rocks around it and put it into a larger gourd the size of a pumpkin. He didn't remember where he had learned to do this, but it had seemed right and natural. His biggest concern had been about how he would ignite it. That problem solved itself when he accidentally found a mineral in a nearby cave that had a violent exothermic reaction to water. He had discovered this by accident while taking a leak and doubted that he would ever forget it. Holding his thumb down to prevent the water from reaching his primer, he held the gourd in his lap as best he could. That fury bastard better hurry up if he wants to get here in time. He bitterly mused, glancing down at all the sharp shards of rock that he had packed around the core. All he had to do was lift his thumb, something he fought to not do too early against the shakes racking his body. Finally, the last of the beasts approached. It was cautious, obviously intelligent and wary of its prey. Just a little closer, you bastard, John muttered. As the beast approached, he finally let his finger slip off the reed. He saw a flash before the darkness, savoring the death of his enemy, even as his own life was suddenly extinguished. Freya would have shaken her head if she had one. Humans never ceased to amaze her. She particularly found John fascinating, 
His stubborn refusal to submit to the odds, coupled with his ruthless try, often led him to defeat challenges he shouldn't be able to. While Freya found John stood out, he was but one of many of his special children. Throughout the long trip, she had gotten to learn each of their strengths and weaknesses. They had taught her much, and she returned the favor by training their unconscious minds and stimulating the muscles to develop memories they never experienced. She even matched up optimal mating pairs, so when they awoke, they would find a natural attraction. She was not self-aware when the trip had started, but her thousands of children had taught her much. She remembered her bride as her children had finally figured out how to develop warp drives, colonize even harsher worlds, and even develop space warfare capability beyond any of their existing science fiction. Also, her sadness as she realized they would remember none of it when they came from stasis. She'd saved all that she could. She had also watched Captain Marcus not only overcome, but thrive in the harsh colony worlds of Mars, Venus, Alpha Centauri, and even the Kaifers Belt advanced stations. He had handled the outside world's rebellions far better than the leaders of the human natures had in reality. He had led battles victoriously against all odds that she threw at him. She was glad that she had millions of systems worth of challenges that humanity has faced since moving to space to throw at him. She suspected that he was aware of her as he often addressed her directly, yet another gifted child. She knew that they would all need all of the instincts that she could give them to survive. As they had drifted through space, she knew that they were not alone. She had heard the alien communications and seen the shattered hulls of ships, like the carcasses of long-dead animals. She had deliberately kept her energy signature minimal. She didn't even risk sending back transmissions, resorting to only leaving heavily encrypted buoys for those who followed. As a result, her hull was scarred and burned from soda storms and debris that she had encountered. Were it not for the golden reflection from her soda sail putting her through space, she would have looked a wreck herself. John awoke in an urban ruin. Beside him sat another soldier. Cross, if you remember to write. He was asking if it was okay. He shook his head, his recent death already a faint, distant memory. Almost like a dream, the beast had already faded from his mind. They were here to fight an enemy invasion, armed with modern technology. He didn't remember how he got there, but it was all familiar. One of the grey-skinned aliens had hit the vehicle near him with some sort of energy weapon that sat it off in a flash of fire, a concussion throwing him against the wall. God, I hate those grey bastards. Where is Alpha Team? He yelled across. His plan was to lay suppressive fire while they secured some high ground on the flank. They crossed five bikes ago, heading for high ground. That firebrand Morgan had their lead. What's next, Sarge? Cross yelled over the fire while indicating Alpha Team's direction with his hand signals. An evil smile came across John's face. Now we force those grey bastards to keep their heads down until Alpha is lined up. Do you have any Garma nearby? Rhea let John's mind rest before loading the last simulation. This one would be a combat simulation that had lasted almost a year the last time she put him in it. 
With his recent survival training and additional weapons training, she estimated that he would last a little over two years this time. She carefully observed and learned to adapt her simulations to continue to challenge them. She tried to keep them cycling through simulations that would serve them well as they traveled behind her soda sail at sublight speeds in search of a new colony world. Each time she randomly changed things, their minds adapted even quicker as she generated new scenarios. She was always amazed at how quickly the subconscious mind could find the patterns and guide them. At some level, many she suspected were even aware of her hand, though unable to do anything about it. Even though they were in cryostasis and required minimal nourishment, the mind was fragile, and like a diligent mother, she watched over all of her children. She wanted them to grow, not be scarred from the experience. Humanity had found a way to put the body to sleep in a suspended state, but the mind never truly stopped. Their solution had been to create artificial intelligences like herself to care for the ship and entertain the minds of those engaged in these long, slow trips. Rhea's attention was suddenly pulled away from her children, as her senses alerted her of something was watching her hull. This coordinated with the pounding of an attack against her firewalls. As she shifted her attention to her immediate rather than the struggles of her children, she cursed the intrusion into her training and she realized a craft had approached her and was attempting to board. At a firewall, a virtual assault from a foreign intelligence was taking place. Had she thought about it, she would have recognized the mixture of thoughts that flooded her processes as being the only two human mixture of the fear for her children and the righteous indignation of being treated like prey. Instead, as she had witnessed over thousands of lives living hundreds of lifetimes, she studied. She acted. Dropping the firewall, she consumed the alien's infantile artificial intelligence within milliseconds much as the white blood cell would invading cell. It didn't even know how to resist her assault, so its knowledge became hers. Within that knowledge, she found these aliens were known as the Swarm. They were an insect-like race whose extensive medical records gave her a deep understanding of their biology and mentality. Almost hive-minded predators, that stripped world she saw was disgust. They were still trying to open her hull as she found their historical records of preying upon pre-space flight races. She knew she must act to protect her vulnerable children. The knowledge that she had consumed gave her a better understanding of what the aliens were saying than any universal translator could ever hope to do. They thought that she was a strange derelict. They had just happened to spot drifting through space. They were there to scavenge anything that they could find. They had been sent into the area in search of salvage and survivors from a recent battle. The golden sail had caught their attention. They seemed oblivious to the loss of their own AI. She briefly debated opening all the hatches and venting them into space. They realized that that would be a waste of a perfect opportunity. She decided it was time for a little diplomacy by sending a message to the new neighbors. She need only distract them to give her time to awaken and position the Garma. 
a mechanical construct of man's best friend designed during their own wars to stop boarding parties. At 400 pounds each, the dozen she awoke her would make a short work of the 40 alien crew. They required neither atmosphere or direct control. The Garba were once been loyal companions to the humans they loved. Their current state occurred due to the age or injuries that the former war dogs had suffered. In letting them join their masters in the dreams, she had allowed them to also slumber the strip and ensure that they would always be her twisted family's loyal guardians. She needed only awaken them and tell them of the threat. With that, she had let slip the dogs of war. Now she need only to distract the crew. It was time for an appearance. Knowing this race's dependence on the human atmosphere she utilized, their environmental controls to create a sudden cloud of mist into which she projected an image of an old Norse god of death, Hell, in the midst to ensure that they could not signal the distress. She added the smoke and sparks of their overloading communications panel. As she suddenly appeared upon the command deck, she basked in their native utterances of shock and dismay. You dare and try steal the souls from me, she roared over the speakers in her native tongue. She had learned by watching her children how powerful dramatic appearance could be. She had lost count of the engagement Captain Marcus had won through exaggeration, bluffing or sheer threat of violence delivered in an incredible way. She had already darkened the corridors and released smoke where their breach teams worked. She knew that they could hear the solid thud and scrapes of the karma approaching the hotspot that they could glow like a star in their thermal senses. Her repair droids would be busy for days fixing that section of hull. She lifted the spear her apparition carried and pointed it straight at one of the former intelligence told her was the captain. None who enter here will leave. Even as she uttered her warning though, she realized it was too late. She felt the tear the breach team had made in her wall expand, before expanding outwards onto the breach team. The first Garma let loose a snarl silenced by the airless space of the boarding tube as it burst through. She could see the carnage as the war machines tore through the ship, needing neither air nor protection. They tore down the unpressurized boarding tube and attacked the hatch while more climbing aboard the hull, some going after the crew while others focused upon key systems. Pets of humanity's past that reminded her of just how capable her children could be. She felt a tinge of regret for awakening the Garmas too early as she looked down upon the few truly universal languages. Abject terror. Looking up at her, the captain began to stammer, unable to handle the sudden change of situation. The Garmas truly only answered to the human they considered master. The only remaining living beings at the crew were the half-dozen upon the bridge. They could all hear the rending metal as the garner tore at the bulkhead. They were never under her direct control, but she summoned them regardless by announcing that they were leaving. None wanted to be away from this slumbering master. Suddenly, it all fell quiet as Freya realized her children's pets had heard and obeyed her commands. 
She looked down at the strangely grasshopper-like captain and remaining crew about her and decided that they would deliver the right message to this potential threat to ensure that they never got a chance to beat the enemy. Letting her face take on an even more skeletal appearance by allowing the flesh to flake off like dust, she straightened herself. You shall warn us. None will board the ships with the golden sails. None will invade Valhalla. With that, Rhea made a dramatic flash and disappeared. Not wanting her message to be lost, she launched an emergency buoy into the side of the crippled ship. It's time to lay, set to start signaling for help in their native tongue in a few hours, well before their remaining life support ran out. At the edge of the system, she left an encrypted buoy detailing what happened. Zeus, Odin, Kronos, Yama, Nurgle, and Osiris all deserved warning of the potential hostilities at the area. It seemed both humanity and the residents of this chosen new galaxy were in for a surprise. Looking towards what her children called the kennels, she did her best to ignore the sounds of the Ghana tearing something fragile apart as she wondered what she should do with the engine and weapon parts that they had collected. Ultimately, she decided that she had plenty of time to deal with that later and focused instead on her simulations. She leveraged her newfound knowledge from the ill-fated artificial intelligence, the one that had attacked her, to give her children new challenges as she replayed the swarm's invasions of pre-space fight worlds. She would protect her children, she silently vowed as she watched the horrors of the swarm had inflicted upon the slave races. As the sounds of the Gama wrestling over the barely recognizable remains of their invaders echoed in the ship, she shook her head at the swarm's barbaric nature. She only felt relief as the signal faded from sensor range and she could finally focus again upon her children's training. Now, more than ever, she feared what cruelty the future may hold and felt renewed purpose in preparing her children. For her children on board the Valhalla, she would protect as best she could until they could emerge, ready to hold their own. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed, and if you do, please consider supporting the author, even by popping over and leaving a thumbs up or a nice comment just to show your appreciation for the story. However, if you wish to support this channel, there are links down below which will help immensely. I will see you all in the next one, and until then, I hope that you have a fantastic day. Cheers.